This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who is on this podcast and the other person who lives in this home. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. I have been trying not to ask, how are you? But start with a different beginning. So today I'm going to ask, how am I? (laughs) <laughs> I think you're lovely. <laughs> That's very, very kind of you. Uh, that seemed more about your perception of me than oh. your perception of how I'm doing. Well, so far, I think you're doing great. I th- I haven't messed anything up on this podcast yet, so I think I'm nailing it. No, and I mean, uh, full disclosure, I just got home from work, so I've seen you for all of five minutes so far <laughs> uh, this evening, and uh, I think you're doing swell. I yeah. think you're doing great. Um, That's... I don't know why I had an awkward pause there, just just because. I was waiting for what was on the other half of that end, and uh, and it's just lovely and fine. Lovely yeah. Lovely and fine. Yeah, you've got a nice curl going on your forehead with your hair. You're great. Okay, okay. Plenty of details. Uh, all right, let's move on then and get into this, because really, the only thing we've done since you got home, to be perfectly honest with our listeners, is we have pre-ordered a pizza, because uh, we're trying to fit everything in. It's already late in the evening, and we have, this is like action time, exciting podcast. We only have a certain amount of time to complete the recording (laughs) of Obsessed, so we're going to be extra obsessive uh, and get right into it. You had a great suggestion, several great suggestions of things uh, for us to uh, be obsessed with that are truthful, and you came up with one that I don't think we've ever discussed on the podcast, but it is something that is really true of both you and I, and that is oldie time tech or oldie time <laughs> devices mm-hmm. um so when you say that when you say oldie time tech or devices what do you mean by that yeah so i was actually thinking about this when i suggested it i was thinking typewriters and rotary phones <laughs> and that's it <laughs> just like as a starting point yeah but then when i was thinking about it um on my drive home from work i was thinking you know like to me, I almost feel like early computers count, um, you know, early word processors, all sorts of like camera stuff. I, f- I feel like there's a wide range that so can count. So anything could be oldie time from 20 years to 100 years as long as the, uh, the thing itself has begun to fade in some way from day-to-day use. Yeah, I think that's a good... I was, I was going to push back a little bit on the 20-year... Um, but I think if it's begun to phase, phase, <laughs> to phase, phasing in and out of reality. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like that's a pretty good measure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, a thing for us to remember is this is our obsession on our podcast, so we can define it however we would like. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I, you have a good point and I, I think that's, that works for me, for my definition. How about you? Yeah. You had listed, um, typewriters and uh rotary phones and those are definitely some big ones and then i i was thinking about well what else do i think of when i think about that so definitely typewriters uh definitely uh, phones of many kind uh radios like in particular mm-hmm. like big old style you would sit around and listen to the shadow <laughs> yeah uh old radios uh Turntables are obviously still around, but the different kinds over the years of turntables, uh, the big television sets uh, of the past, in particular, when I just close my eyes and go like, what oldie time tech am I obsessed with? It's the 
televisions that were like down on the ground in part of a huge wooden cabinet and just like it was not it was like an attack on the word portable right it was this huge <laughs> station this altar of television um and then microphones Ooh, in particular yeah. like the, the you know the oldie time lounge singer cup it in your hand <laughs> yeah. chrome with the 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 black uh, the black and the chrome so beautiful uh, so lots of things for me but then i started down the same path that you went to of like Oh, those are all the things that I thought of as oldie time uh, many, many years ago when I was in, like, college. But now there are lots of things uh, in addition that I would think of as oldie time because they have faded relatively quickly from use as they are supplanted by something else. Like, one of them is wristwatches. I realize, mm. like, just a normal wristwatch now to me feels like, ooh, oldie timey <laughs> because of the phones. <laughs> right. And not as many of us wear, uh, just a standard wristwatch. Mm -hmm. um, so let's get into the emotional substance of our discussion here. What is compelling to you about the aesthetic of older tech? What is it about the look of these old things that that uh, compels you? Mm. Ooh, yeah, that's an ooh, yeah. So I mean, you're talking about the the TVs and boxes, and that just aesthetically. Is just like, but it's beautiful, is my response to that. Uh -huh. um, with some of the other things, I think there's something about the, um, like the, so thinking kind of more toward um, classic oldie time tech. <laughs> <laughs> really the, oldie, oldie time tech. The pre-1970 oldie time tech, maybe, okay. but as an arbitrary number. Um, like things that are, there's some substance to them, you mm. know, like. Like some heft, like a typewriter is not just a little light typewriter or, you know, like a lot of the, especially the older rotary phones have some weight to them. So there's something about that, which I realize is not aesthetic, but I feel like almost when you look at it, you can see. You um, can feel it. You can feel it. Yeah. Um, or it's a really good uh, copy that's really light and, but you feel like you you feel the weight when you look at it. Yeah. Um, let me let me ask yeah. some follow-ups on oh, that. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So you are making a gesture with your hand like you're trying to lift the thing. So is it almost like when you think about the uh, the weight of it, like <laughs> like you like older things that you could like uh, kill a person with? <laughs> like they're heavy enough to be a weapon. I, my new my new way of measuring. <laughs> I know that's not what you're thinking because that's not how your mind works. But when you were making that gesture, like it's got weight to it, you would just look like I can brain a robber with this, you know. <laughs> and that's true. It's I true. Could. It's true. Uh, but what is it about that that sense of uh, physical weight? Is it the is it the presence of it? Is it the suggestion that it is well made? Is it that sense of uh, there's steel and wood and real earth things in this? You know, I think there is a little bit of that. Um, I think with especially staying on the kind of the older items, um, not microphones, but things like the typewriters and rotary phones, the physical sounds that they make, mm. um, which again, not necessarily talking more kind of overall aesthetic than just design aesthetics. Um, microphones, that's such a good one. And to me, that's entirely about how it looks. Yeah. It just, it looks cool. 
I don't yeah. have a better answer than that. <laughs> um, I think sometimes yeah. when things look cool, it is purely aesthetic in a way that is hard to verbalize. Of like that that combination of line and shape is pleasing to us for some reason, and you know we would almost have to do like you know uh, deep studies <laughs> mm-hmm. to figure out why. But then also sometimes the aesthetic is association, and for something like a microphone, do you think it is an association with jazz, early talk shows, like? a little bit of a sense of a, a different era of entertainment. Are you drawn to it because it's connected to an era of entertainment you like? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think I first, I probably first saw those types of microphones when I w- was watching things that were either were old or were supposed to be old mm-hmm. or often um, the uh, the person making the sounds, I'm blanking, uh, the, like the, the Foley. Foley? Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like I would often see like often, but it would be like this old Foley person doing their little tap shoes on a box behind the little microphone. Oh, yeah. Um, I just have that picture in my head. Um, Certainly nostalgia is part of it. So uh, this might be jumping uh, to another question, but my earliest memories of both uh, typewriters and the specific older rotary phones um, are at my grandparents' house. Okay, let's put a pin in that. Because I, I want to I wanna get a little yeah. bit more of a, uh, a a big picture before we dive yeah. into the childhood. Mm. So I was curious about the aesthetic. I want to ask one more follow-up question about Absolutely. weight. Okay. About weight as an aesthetic. Um, for you, do you think a part of it is like literal presence? Like, uh, for example, a lot of our tech right now, it, a lot of the things that we used are designed to be sort of sleek, and blend into our environment up to a point like my little laptop my most recent laptop is very very slim it literally doesn't weigh much when you fold it down it's like a very small stack of gray paper but if i had my old 1940 lc smith typewriter that would have a presence in the room right like there are lines and energy coming off of it that change the other lines and shapes in the room because it has such literal physical presence mm-hmm. when you say weight for you does any of it mean that sort of sense of presence i think it can i think um i i with typewriters um definitely with kind of some of the what console like the like you're talking about like the radio that is a piece of furniture the um record player that is an entire um you know, console. Vista. Yeah, you know, like it's it's an entire piece <laughs> yeah. of furniture all by itself, and um, yeah, those absolutely have a weight and influence on the space around them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think that is part of it. Yeah. Do you think it, it? Do you think the size, the scale, gives a sense of devotion to the activity? Like, if uh, you know, an entertainment system is going to take up this space, much space in our home, we must value it. You know, I think. Sorry, just kind of thinking out loud here. I think in to some extent, yes. I think to some extent, it's also about specifically with like the the media systems mm-hmm. um, and like the cabinet, the things that were in cabinets. Um, it's that if it's going to take up that much space, it should also be beautiful. <laughs> got it. Got it. If it's going to take up that much physical space, you need to really enjoy looking at it. Yeah. And if you're going to have it there and it's... You know, the thing that they, one of the things that the couch is facing or, you know, and I love that idea of, If you know, my couch is going to face this, it better be beautiful. <laughs> I, I think mean, that's a good standard. It's my rule of thumb. <laughs> and I, I love that coming out just kind of from a historical, historical perspective 
of things were furniture. Mm. And so you want it to look like furniture. And so I feel like that's maybe where it came from. And today, like, we love the the tech look or the streamlined look, the general we. Yeah. But, like, who actually cares if they put in a surround sound system if the individual speakers are beautiful? Most people don't because they're probably often hidden in their walls. <laughs> right. Or hidden in a really nice entertainment center bookcase and or behind yeah. them on the couch. Right? Yeah. Or under the couch is where your cell phone is. I like tech that is under the couch. <laughs> Totally, totally unseen. Okay, so uh, I really wanted to follow up about some of the aesthetic sense and aesthetic stuff and get a sense of everything you meant by that. I have two questions for you, but I think that your story about your childhood might answer both of them. So I wanted to ask you about what is compelling, not just about the look, the aesthetic, but the functionality of oldie time tech, and if you have any nostalgia for physically using things, which I think... This the, the story we were heading to that we put a pin in probably answers both of those questions. Yeah, yeah. Can I start with the second question? Yeah, yeah. So I um, when my so my my grandmother's house had um, typewriters in the basement. Um, her brother had had a print shop. He had by the time I remember this, he had passed away. So some of his things were in her basement, and so I would go just like play in the basement and put colored paper in the typewriters and I had no clue what I was doing just like tick 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 and just like I enjoyed making noise with it and it yeah. was one of those that had I think there are a few typewriters but one had um you know both like the black and the red oh yeah on the yeah. ribbon that on you can switch the color yeah I mean that was hours of fun for me so <laughs> <laughs> and why do you think that was was it that it the noise was pleasing to you the like you take an action and you immediately see the physical impact of your action that you get from a keyboard? Yeah, I think it was a, just a different way of exploring and being creative. With, yeah. Um, and a, it was like the cool thing that I got to do when I was at my grandma's house. Nice. So it was like a peek into something special. Mm-hmm. Did you have a connection to it as it was interesting because it was from the past? Like a cool thing that you got to visit at your grandma's house makes total sense because it's unique to your grandma's house but did you have a sense of these used to be everywhere and they aren't really anymore no and actually you know we (laughs) had a typewriter i mean it was but i'm sure you didn't have like an old metal one right um no no i think we had like a word processor kind of like an electric typewriter yeah um but i don't think that i thought that that was cool Well, I mean, just uh, in terms of the hammer power, there is a big difference in the impact and also the aesthetic. It was, uh, I would imagine the kind of uh, typewriter you had was a little bit more beige or pastel and wrapped in plastic, a plastic shell versus the like the art deco sculpture that was most metal typewriters. Yeah. And the one um, the one that I would play with was not one that was currently seen as functional. Okay. Whereas the one, you know, like I didn't use it. My I don't have any clue how much my parents used it, but they right. but it was it was functional. It was like that's a piece of parent equipment. We type Whereas, about adult things over here. Yeah. These are bills and mortgages, tick tick tick. But that was this is a fun discovery in the basement. Exactly. Nice, nice. Is that the story that we put a pin in? Uh yeah. Okay, good, good. Um so that that's a great story about just getting connected to it and enjoying uh, experiencing the oldie time tech. 
for any tech that you did functionally use at any point in your lifetime, um, like a rotary phone, do you have nostalgia for physically manipulating objects that we don't manipulate in the same way anymore? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the rotary phone, uh, maybe this is part of where this idea came from to me as you and I were talking about this just in, in regular non-microphoned life, um, about the whole the phones that um you know you you dial and you turn it and then you wait for it to turn back and, and then you turn it. it it that gets clipped out sometimes in uh, on social media a lot where people are like i'm watching a movie and not only did they not just have the person's uh pr- number programmed they dialed the whole thing and the movie stopped while somebody <laughs> dialed an entire long number in a rotary phone right and it was just like i guess to build tension yeah yeah, and um, again, at my grandma's house, she had a an older than we had in our house, um, f- like, you know, desk, like the black desk, old school, you know, had probably had it since the 40s. Yeah. Like, or whatever. But, you know, like, heavy. That was the thing I was picturing. Um, rotary phone in this little, like, den area. What did it look like? Um, it was, it was black um you know like um what plastic fiberglass yeah but the big kind of big handle big receiver yep okay yeah yeah. it was like like, jingled as you picked it up i don't remember okay that's i remember like some of the receivers like you could hear the little bit of the bell yeah when you pick it up yeah i don't think it had the full like um um, I don't even know how to describe what I'm saying, so I'm just gonna gonna <laughs> walk away from that one. Um, you know, I mean, I was I was a little kid. I don't think I was supposed to be picking it up and calling people. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any numbers? Were you like I've memorized Pizza Hut and I'm getting pizza on the rotary phone? Oh, I think I knew my phone number. <laughs> so um, you go to your grandma's house and call yourself? Well, no, because it was long distance. So, oh wow! Uh, you know that that was taboo. So I mean. Yeah. So no, I did not call numbers. I only played with, and I was not supposed to play with it because it was her actual working phone. Okay. (laughs) But so, but so this is a naughty memory. Well, I remember my brother and I. Yeah, like we would go in there and we would just be like, we just, I, I don't know. I enjoyed just like playing with, I mean, like, and like (laughs) making words with it. You you know, like all the things that I don't know. This is new to me. That's why we. That's why we have discoveries on microphones. That's right. I have never tried to spell words. That's great. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, with the handle down, so it wasn't actually dialing anyone. Okay, but just again, much like the typewriter, the pleasing physicality of this device. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's really really interesting. Yeah, I remember it with the rotary phones in particular. I don't think I missed them because I think it was one of the many things in the physical world that I encountered at a young age. And I don't think that I got somebody, I don't think people, I think there were a lot of things where people didn't tell me how things worked in the way I needed to learn them. Of tell me, show me, let me try, let me fail, let me succeed. Which is kind of like that uh, I have come to realize (laughs) over the years, the process I need. So I encountered many things in the physical world that just vexed me. And I thought I'm I'm broken. (laughs) (laughs) Not I'm broken, but, you know, that's some of the what piled on with the like young, you know, nerdy, not not great at sports initially. Lots of 
every time I try to interact with something, it's I have a hard time figuring it out. And I remember being sick at school and like actually sick. And uh, the nurse was like, OK, you can call your parents. And I did know my parents number, but it was a rotary phone. And I couldn't get the damn thing to work. And, like, I don't think I even knew any swear words. But if I did, I would have been saying them in, like, my little second grade brain. Because it was just, like, <laughs> it's like that modern version of, like, a printer not working. Or, right. like, a, you know, a website that, you know, keeps kicking you out. It's like, just stupid. I remember trying to get that thing to work and just not turning it far enough before letting it go. Or I don't even know what it, I don't remember what I was doing wrong. Okay. But I remember being so vexed by it. Yeah. Had you used a rotary phone before? I think I had played. I think we had one and I think I had like poked at it and played with it. But in exactly the same way that you had not like trying to make words, but just like. And for me, it was probably like out of just boredom of like, just turn the thing and watch it fall back. Yeah. Uh, But yeah. So like I love the aesthetic of them. But that's one of the first memories that pop into my mind of like, I'm sick and I need to go home. (laughs) (laughs) And I just can't get this bleeping thing to work even though i didn't know what bleeping was <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. wow oh that's that's great that's a, a memory with a lot of emotion in it it is sorry sorry to be so emotional about oldie time tech absolutely not um go ahead i'm gonna clarify a thing just because it's nobody's gonna care other than me but i need to clarify it is the phone was probably from the 60s not from the 40s okay uh duly noted there asterisk yep um i want to share with you one of my uh Biggest connections to old time tech, which is in my young uh, adult times. And then I want to ask you about your young adult times and old tech. Yeah. So I think a big thing for me, we've talked a lot on the podcast about a lot of mutual interest that you and I have in history, in older entertainment. I fell in love with like old radio and, you know, older comic books and, you know, like just things from the past seemed mysterious and interesting, you know. And then as I got older, I was in college and I was... It was before the term hipster came about, and now I feel like that term has gone again. <laughs> uh, for a hipster, for somebody who's like, I kind of want to do it in a way, in my own special way, that's kind of cool, and not everybody does it. And um, So I I got an old typewriter, is an L.C. Smith, it had the black and red ribbon, um, It and it was in great working shape, uh, and I... I when I got to college and papers needed to be printed, uh, we we hadn't been a computer household because we just didn't make enough. My family didn't have enough money to jump on the computer bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Like I think a family friend like gave us a computer for a month. Like cool to know what they are. I will use the Macintosh in the library at in high school when I have to. But other than that, computers at home aren't a thing yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a little bit of that, but then there was also the like. Uh, the def- the youthful defiance of like, oh, I'm in college and all my papers have to be typed? Fine. But there's no specificity that they have to be printed out from a computer, right? And like almost every class I have to ask, and like, no, I mean, if you want to type them, <laughs> you weirdo, <laughs> go ahead. So I did. I would write out uh, my papers on in a little notebook. Mm-hmm. And then I would have lots of fun listening to old music on a, you know, on vinyl. <laughs> and uh, type all, all my college papers for about the first three years. And then uh, life and uh, computers. <laughs> computers came into my life a little bit more and as did common sense. But it was really, really fun for a while. And I have a really strong, uh, you know, sense memory of that and wrote some fun things, creative things on that typewriter that I'm proud of and would type up little uh, 
you know, uh, kind of uh, chunks of words or phrases and incorporate those into paintings for the art degree that I was getting. So lots of happy memories there. So when you're when we're talking about oldie time tech, a part of that for me is that real lived experience with that typewriter that I spent a ton of time on. It wasn't just like this is a cool, uh, you know, object of art in the corner. It was like functionally got me through a big chunk of college. Yeah. Does that still make it, do you still have a, um, a, a fun association with it or did it become like, uh, this is associated with papers and things I've got to do. And did that detract from the fun of it? No, I think it made the papers feel more fun because it was just that aesthetic joy that is hard to capture of just like the shape of those letters being different. The, those, the, there's a, the keys were like this, uh, the typewriter doesn't work anymore. The carriage is broken, but we still have it. It's in our storage unit, as you well know. Uh, but the keys had this like deep green, you know, and it had that satisfying click. And when you're at the end of the line and you did the carriage, and it, it was it was it was satisfying and tactile. It was like you're really really moving toward your goal, you know. Mm, yeah, that's great. Do you feel like you wrote differently on the by papers? slash typewriter versus when you started moving toward computers no because everything was so much about word count and all the assignments <laughs> and i never wrote anything sort of long form and creative on it i and i think definitely getting into the time i'm writing like uh sketch comedy and it's got this format that's a little bit more work on a typewriter yeah. <laughs> uh, but i really enjoyed that experience and probably the height of absurdity i loved that so much and the romance of it mm -hmm. right because it's from an older time and you know back then I these were just like kind of early days of the internet blossoming and I had a real it, it was it, I, I'm sort of ashamed of it and sort of amused by it of utter youthful hubris of like but tactile physical things are always going to matter email's great but you should send people letters because they can feel the paper they can see your handwriting <laughs> tactile is never going anywhere it matters uh, so I had a lot of that attitude uh, I went on a trip on a Greyhound bus, and one of the things I bought for this Greyhound trip was at a you know old uh, antique store a uh, suitcase typewriter that they used to make, mm -hmm. uh, which was a much smaller version of my typewriter, and you could seal it up in this cool case with this great texture, and it was light compared to a normal typewriter. But I have it was uh, got to be at least twenty pounds, thirty pounds, and I lugged that from uh, Minneapolis to the southern uh, most point of Texas. Wow! And then I didn't end up using it much. Nope, nope. Because my my romantic vision was I'm going to type on a Greyhound bus. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I might have typed a tiny those? bit uh, at the place we went to, but yeah, yeah. Those moments you're like, I'm going to do this. You. It's such a great idea, and yet. So I wanted to share that that was my kind of real deep connection to this topic, many other connections. So for you, is there anything like that of in your young adult life tech that you decided, I'm going to use this, I'm going to incorporate this in my life? Um, Not, not to the same extent. And I obviously, uh, because we are married um, and know each other, <laughs> Uh knew know that you have the strong connection with typewriters that was one of the reasons that i did suggest the topic um although that was a great reminder because i'd totally forgotten about those suitcase typewriters yeah and i think we did have one it might have been my mom's like college typewriter and i did think that was cool also yeah um, but i did not type papers on them okay um 
I think that's a little bit where some of my nostalgia for early computers comes in. Um, my brother was, I was very into computers and, uh, so we were very lucky to have some of the early, like Apple two plus. Cool. And when I see those now I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I just get ridiculously excited just for like nostalgia for my own life. <laughs> yeah. So what was your uh, react or your relationship with them? How did you use those early computers? Like what part of their, your life were they incorporated into? Um, we programmed, I programmed little games on them in basic. <laughs> what kind of games? Things that would make, I don't know, words or shapes bounce on the computer. They're very basic <laughs> games in basic programming okay. language. Um, and then as I got older, uh, you know, into high school, then I would use them for papers and things like that. Okay. And was that then a positive experience? Did you associate this as like, this is the happy machine where I make words bounce? No. <laughs> no. I, and I, um, you know, we didn't have um, like video game consoles. And so I grew up playing computer games rather than, and I didn't pay to play them a lot, but that was, that would be the other like fun thing is I yeah. would go play like the Winter Olympics game that came on a floppy disk. <laughs> Uh, was that well, what was that like? Was it like just the little kind of figures in green, and you would hit up for them to jump over obstacles? Yep, you would make the ski jump person do like all sorts of different jumps, either with um, some of them with you know like the little keystrokes, or I think some of them used a joystick. Okay, did you have a joystick? We had a joystick. You had a joystick in your home, and you made ski people do jumps. <laughs> you played the Winter Olympics in your home. I've never heard that. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, a memory that I have that uh, um, you uh, probably have as well, because it's about you, <laughs> that popped in my head when you suggested this topic is, so our first date, um, we had been talking back and forth about going to see a mutual friend in a show, uh, and neither of us had confirmed whether it's a date or not, but you had just recently had your birthday. So I went to the convenience store, uh, kind of oldie time, actually, a convenience mm -hmm. store that actually had like a little bit of everything right by my apartment, uh, old birches, uh, for people who, you know, lived in uptown. Um, and I wanted to get you a birthday card and I, I knew that you liked history. You, I knew that you worked at the historical society and I took a gamble on like, well, here's a card that just has a picture of a true oldie time phone with the, you know, the, the receiver and the talk into it and you hang up the earpiece here. Um, and I can't even remember what, if anything, it said on so on the inside. Uh, but I, it was something I thought was classy. Mm -hmm. And I remember really crossing my fingers and thinking, like, I think this is right. I think she would like this kind of thing. Uh, and I was so relieved when I gave you that card and you liked it. <laughs> I was, in fact, going to bring that up also. Oh, wonderful. Um, well, as another, tell me your thoughts. Just you, you said it beautifully, and I didn't know some of the backstory of it, but that that was the very first card you had given me on our first is this a date um and it had an, an oldie time truly oldie time phone on it and i was like ah very good choice i like this yeah did you know that you liked that aesthetic or was that a surprise <laughs> oh no i knew that right yeah. right okay yeah. okay uh it, and did it did it um mean anything to you about our relationship <laughs> <laughs> It showed that you had good taste. Okay, good, good. Mm -hmm. That's what I get. That's what I wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, would you like any modern tech that looks old aesthetically but functions like a modern thing? Like um, 
a really uh, good modern printer, but it is built like it's from the 1940s. It's built like a piece of furniture, but it's just our printer. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that would be kind of fun. I honestly, I would love to have, whether it probably like a super modern TV, it wouldn't work because modern TVs are so much larger in one of those old cabinets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so weird to me. How do you feel about, I mean, I love those cabinets aesthetically, but now there's a little bit of an eyeline thing where yeah. I think uh, people's opinions and tastes about uh, television eyelines are are really different. A lot of people have them a little bit more elevated, either because they're above a fireplace, mm-hmm. and that I don't want to crane my neck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit more okay looking down at a cabinet, but I really like it's just sort of straight across from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you feel if we had like a decent sized television um, in a even bigger cabinet and it was on the floor and you're, you have to, you have to look down on Superman and Lois <laughs> when you watch. I mean, that's the problem. I, every time I think about it, I'm like, yes, no. And also I wouldn't want, I mean, they have cabinets for modern TVs and they're giant and to me way too large. Yeah. Um. So it, it wouldn't work, but there's, there's some part of that are like, oh, could I take an, one and like repurpose it for my laptop or something also equally non-functional? Like it doesn't quite work, but I I like the idea of finding some way to marry yeah. these two together. Yeah. And I mean, there are, it is weird because there are a lot of different entertainment stands you can buy. I was even going to say like, you know how some of them they close so you don't know the television's in there. And like you can still find stuff like that, but it doesn't quite have that same flavor of this this piece of furniture that almost looks like a, you know, a successfully uh, camouflaged TARDIS where it just looks like that looks like it's just, you know, a, a bureau. Yeah. But surprise, there's a TV inside. I feel like that is harder to come by. Yeah. Yeah. I follow um, a great kind of mid-century furniture store on Instagram mm. and they often post new things that they, you know, are in their store that they're refinishing for people. And a lot of them are kind of those like low consoles, but you can't tell until they post the picture, until they post the multiple pictures or give the description. A lot of them are ones with built-in photographs. So like the center is all the speakers. Yeah. And a lot of them are just storage, but they look the same from the outside. So exactly what you're saying. Um, Sorry, that was just a side note. Yeah, no, go for it. I think that I've seen, and and maybe maybe not, maybe I just imagined this, but I think that I've seen keyboards that you can buy that are typewriter like oh like yeah a typewriter, oh i'm right? sure you can yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, th- and that's weird to me of like not feeling the like feeling the pressure here and then the hit you know you wouldn't feel the hit because you wouldn't feel the hammer yeah you know you wouldn't watch the little letter fly up and yeah. smack the paper which is a part of what it's like you know it's not just the sound it's not just the pressure it's the fact that it's literally uh, a strike right mm-hmm, right like you are making your voice heard yeah. i typed an a whoops i didn't mean to i'll have to wipe that out <laughs> that's a power um yeah i think with the the idea of modern tech that is weighty and significant it's a uh, metal or wood or it's uh, a piece of furniture it's this fascinating thing about just kind of like i think that's where part of the nostalgia lives is i want a life that isn't realistic for the time we live in, certainly the space you and I live in, I mm-hmm. think if we got to be exotic millionaires and we could have like somebody walk into our home and go, 
what's that 12-foot-tall bureau you have? Like, oh, well, it secretly hides our 50-inch <laughs> television screen and also our, you know, absolutely up-to-date vinyl record player. And, oh, our uh, our printer's in here, too. Like, uh <laughs> It sounds like the kind of thing that we could do if we were exotic millionaires, but it's not realistic or functional. So it, it, I think for me, a lot of this is about romance. It's about imagining those times, not having actually lived through them. Some of them we lived through, mm-hmm. we'll talk about, that I have actual nostalgia for, like you do for the the early apples. Mm-hmm. But some of it for me about this oldie time tech is the, the romantic idea of a time you never lived in, you never could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how how do you feel about tech that is replaced? Like, uh, so phones have evolved, and I guess in some ways they, the home phone is gone for a lot of people, not for mm-hmm. everyone, but for a ton of people. We don't have a home phone. We haven't for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, like, uh, many people don't wear wristwatches because they've been replaced by phones or Apple watches, which are physically similar but also not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you feel about that idea of tech that disappears because it it doesn't evolve into the modern version of it? Mm-hmm. Like a television is, it hasn't disappeared, it's evolved. Yeah. But like home phones and wristwatches for a lot of people are gone. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I mean, I think it's part of, it's part of progression. How do we feel about the abacus? <laughs> <laughs> they create great tension in films. <laughs> Right or like uh, what the the little sand? I thing. love those. The, the <laughs> romance of that and the simplicity of that. That it's just you're just doing one task and you're you got me one for a little while and I tried to use it for writing oh, that's things. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Again, romance, not practicality. I didn't use it that often, but I did once or twice because I thought it was so cool. Like I only have until the sand runs out to finish this <laughs> sketch. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think. Um, I mean, I guess I feel like it It depends on the item. Some items, um, I have that feeling of like, oh, well, that that's too bad that we don't use them. And others, like, I have zero need to use an early Apple II computer um, or whatever version of it. Like, no need um, to be able to, you know, store all 28 kilobytes <laughs> or whatever you know the maximum was there's no um, other way to make people do ski jumps that was it <laughs> that's gone right the mists of time farewell apple twoe uh yeah so i i think to me it really depends on the the item and it depends on what replaces it also yeah so wristwatches in particular you still wear a wristwatch every once in a while don't you not very often um, I don't know if I have any currently that work. And honestly, that's so I stopped wearing them because they kept breaking. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then I would go to get them fixed and people were like, you should just buy a new one. I'd be like, no, I like this one. I would like a new battery, please. Yeah. Um, and maybe that says more about the wristwatches that I was buying. And obviously they do still exist, especially really nice ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, uh. Yeah, to see the promotion of any James Bond film, I know wristwatches still exist. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly, like, as a tour guide, you had to wear a wristwatch. I suppose now you wouldn't necessarily, but I did um, because that was, it would be rude to take out one's phone and check the time. <laughs> um, and you had to know how long your tours were. Um, I like the idea of a wristwatch. Um, I just, I think part of it is I haven't found the one ones that I like. Yeah, I think I, I wore a wristwatch for a really, really long time. And yeah, it started to be uh, needing servicing a lot. It needed the band replaced a lot and it needed uh, the, the battery replaced more and more. 
but it was uh, fossil brand and it was mm. you know it was our it was newer uh, but it was designed to look oldie timey now mm. it is actually oldie timey because it's about 25 years old um but uh, I kind of stopped wearing it I didn't really decide to stop wearing it I just realized that I did because of the phones. Mm. And now there's a part of me of like, okay, well, some of this stuff that I go on about, I don't, I'm not actually going to practically use a typewriter. I'm not, I don't actually want to look down at a cathode ray tube television and crane my neck (laughs) and, you know, but a wristwatch, that might be a way it can actually uh, express some of this obsession Mm -hmm. with more oldie time tech and staying a little connected to the past and to the analog and, just to the aesthetic of it that is doesn't take up much space at all my wrist is very small (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's um do you still have your wristwatch i do i do but i think it would need a lot of work to get up and ticking again uh but i like looking at it would you ever want uh, if we had the space would you want something in our home that is totally aesthetic let's say we just found a rotary phone that you're like oh that's like my grandma's would you want just a, a big old rotary phone sitting out as a piece of art? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when you answer questions really quietly, like I've caught you in a crime or something. There's nothing wrong with that. Um. Yeah. I, it depends on what it what the thing is. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't want a lot of things, but if there were the right thing, like a phone that looked cool, yeah, and absolutely did not work, or a really cool like oldie time microphone. Ooh, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I really do want my typewriter back because I used it for years as just a, a, an aesthetic piece. It was just on the top of a bookshelf, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in connecting me to those memories and just that aesthetic. It It's so beautiful. I'm very <laughs> obsessed, apparently. Um, what music playing devices do you have nostalgia for and why? Because in, in the time mm. period of our lives, we went through lots of different things being the quote unquote normal of music. Yeah. Gosh, that's, I have, I, I, I feel kind of bad about this, that I hadn't thought about having any nostalgia for that. <laughs> um, you know, so my family, I, I think I've talked about this before, we had an eight track player. Wow. And a real In the house? Not in your, like, your, your rig that you drove? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> in the house. Okay. Um, my family likes to hold on to things. Okay. Um, especially if they still work, like why get rid of them? Let's yeah. just keep using them. So we had an eight track player. We had a reel to reel player Mm-mm. that I don't think we had many reels for. Um, so I have that like, Ooh, like those weren't around much. That was fun. Um, the record player, <laughs> you and I were talking about this. I, we had a record player, but I was, you know, obviously as a kid, not supposed to touch it. Okay. Um, I had a, I had a little kid like Fisher Price record player oh tell me about that that actually is one that i i loved i had um i had a record of uncle wiggly story <laughs> people don't know uncle wiggly i know that's uncle wiggly weird thing which to is, say. That's, that sounds like a weird you like spy phrase you'd say for do you know uncle wiggly <laughs> right? yes i know uncle wiggly uh series of children's stories where like there's always um like well we'll get to the next story if the mouse trips over the spoon and causes the cherry to roll down the hill and wakes up the rabbit to go uh open the door so the you know nurse can get to work on time or you know, like things like okay that. like the kind of the storytelling things did you was it the kind of record was like when you hear this noise turn the page no it was just a record okay wow just a record yeah. no storybook or anything yeah, okay i had that and i had a winnie the pooh 
record. And those are the only two records, but I listened to them a lot. <laughs> it was just a, like in a little plastic case. Is that the way the Fisher Price was? Yeah. I don't know if it had a lid, at least when I had it, because I might probably been passed down from a few different owners. Yeah. Um, but but it was one that like I could use myself and sit on the floor in my bedroom and, you know. Nice. Listen nice. to Tigger bounce around. Did you ever use the adult record player then? Did you ever get to an age where like I'm gonna put on the classical vinyl? Um, you know, I did use it, I think, in high school sometimes, but I was always scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> you had a scary typewriter and a scary record player. Uh yeah, so then when you were out on your own and or you know, I know you had a lot of roommates in college and then you were on your own, how did you listen to music? What was your chosen device? Oh, CDs. CDs, okay. Yeah. Yeah, very much CDs. And do you have I'm any... a CD era girl. A CD era girl. And do you have any nostalgia for those? Because I know uh, for um, like a boombox, because mm-hmm. I know that you carried around boomboxes for various dance classes and, and teaching things. Is a, is a boombox for you at this point, oldie time tech? <laughs> I mean, I suppose like the the actual old ones are. I hadn't thought about that. And I can't leave out cassettes. Like maybe mixtapes were totally a thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and have their own... Uh, place that mix CDs, I don't think quite got the same. It, yeah, let me let me ask you about that. With uh, I was going to ask you about the the media as well as the devices, but this is great. So the cassettes, the mixtapes. Do you feel like they had an extra level of hey, if you got a mixtape from somebody, that was a thing because it was work. Mm-hmm. Is that is that why it was why it felt more intimate? I, yeah, because it was I think so. more work. It was more work. Um, also, I think there's just something about it kind of like, um, I don't know, maybe like I'm going to compare both zines and uh, early arts and crafts movement. But like you can, but it's, you can see the pieces that put it together. Like mm. oftentimes a mixtape, you can kind of hear the start stop of where a new song starts. They're not smooth in transition List, right, like, like, got, or like, like you get the little bit of the DJ going, all yeah. right, that was so-and-so. Anyway, the weather's negative. T-. Right, totally, because I would record things from the radio. I think most of us, like, that's how you often heard music. So yeah. you're like, okay, I, want, I like, I missed the beginning of that song. Okay, I'll just start it anyway. You'd be like, <laughs> uh, you know, because like, you wouldn't have the beginning of the chorus or whatever. And yeah, or you get the DJ on there. Or, um, you know, if you're me, I would have checked out a CD from the library and I'd be making mixtapes from the CDs I had checked out from the library. Ooh. But even there you get like the stop start because you get that clicky sound. Yeah, you get the clicky comes, sound. Comes back to the physical sounds. It's about the physical sounds. And then also the artwork or even just like the handwriting on the paper of the cassette, mm-hmm. of the cassette case to tell you what the songs were, right? If oh. it wasn't a mystery mixtape. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus you've got the actual like they could get caught in the player, you know, like you've got that tension of you could ruin this forever. There was an impermanence to this personal one-to-one thing that took a lot of time to make. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny to think about something that like a mixtape is a, yeah, playlist and people exchange those all the time. And, uh, you know, I was talking about when I was younger and email and the internet was really normal people were engaging with those things. <laughs> and I was like, typewriters, letters, you have to be able to sniff a letter. Um, but, and I'm not against things evolving and changing. It's natural. It's good. But 
I do think there is something to the loss of the tactile mm-hmm. that that's part of what mixtapes provided. It was this one physical thing and there were many artifacts of its creation from the sound that we're talking about to the fact that it's, it's a physical thing and it, tape players were very, very good at eating tape and everybody had their different techniques for stop it in time and wind it back in before it actually breaks. Mm-hmm. Right. And then down to the, the actual paper in the case and the artwork that all of that tactile physical object builds up meaning in a way I made you a digital playlist and even if I just made it for you and just sent it to you, you're missing out on all that tactile. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I, as far as I know, and maybe there's other things, it's, it's one of the first times where we could where we could make our own. Like most people were not yes. pressing their own records. Right. You know, like that wasn't a th- unless you had, you know, the skills and tape and audio equipment for like a to make your own reels for reel to reel, I suppose you could, cause it's a similar concept, but that was the first time that we got to mix and match and have artistic creative expression with, um, music or like recorded, you know, like we had a microphone that plugged into the little, you know, cassette player that I think the little one that most people, many people had. Yeah. Um, and also, and it was something People had complicated systems, but it also could just be the small, portable, individual. It's like your relationship with your cassette player. (laughs) (laughs) Your personal relationship with your cassette player. No, I absolutely love what you're saying because I think this is the other fascinating thing about about tech is sometimes, like, you know, I was not alive in 1940, so I attach romantic, like, did a private detective type on this before I bought it at an antique shop? Like, cause I wasn't alive. So I have that romance of when I wasn't alive. Uh, but then when you, you know the actual history of tech to be able to kind of center it in the real world. And what I loved you're saying about agency, because I remember so many things being interesting just because you had some agency and that's always a human thing, but that's so blossomed very quickly as we entered adulthood with the internet with the idea of, oh, wait a minute, people can really interact and choose things the way you want them. And large corporations very quickly attach to that of like, ooh, if you give people the illusion of choice, that's a real selling point, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So the fact that like this little organic, organic in terms of the way it grew in, in society, tech was this kind of early true agency of like, I'm going to take all the songs that are on the radio, but I'm going to somehow catch each one and compile it into new meaning that I created for somebody else or even for myself. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that's such like sincere agency that grew up organically yeah, rather than a, a, a company going like, but you choose. And now that you choose, I think um, there's so much of that. That's that's what people expect, even to the point now that where I think that's where some of the media battles we have are when people don't like a show, they'll say, no one asked for this. <laughs> and that's such a flip of perspective. If you grew up with like, the customer is always right. You should there should always be a drop down menu and you should always be able to personalize anything. You know? It's, yeah. 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 I, I, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But I think <laughs> I think that's a really without judgment for the different perceptions of of how big that you choose an agency thing is based on your generation. I think that's a really 
a fascinating facet of the way we interact with technology. Yeah. And this has been a great conversation because now I know what audio media I'm nostalgic for. <laughs> you made Cassette a discovery. <laughs> Not that other stuff that's just like, oh, it was there. So I should be nostalgic for it, which was kind of what I was saying before. But like that feeling of, yeah, of agency and that tactile feeling and all of that is, uh, yeah, there we go. I do have nostalgia for Yeah. That. Let's talk about, perhaps to us, painful nostalgia because it's not that old. How do you feel about tech that, from our perspective, isn't that old, becoming old and nostalgic, like, uh, you know, early iPods or, you know, iPods <laughs> don't exist anymore. So iPods. Like, yeah. uh, as an example, there's the joke in the first season of the new Doctor Who that is, you know, 15 years old, uh, over 15 years old. Uh, there's a joke with an iPod. Uh, and uh, the, it being in the future in an alien saying, uh, this is, you know, how humans used to get their music. And it was funny at the time because, like, that's contemporary. Ha, ha, ha. Now, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about that? Oh. <laughs> I mean, I think it depends on, I think it depends on the thing. And it depends on my mood, honestly, as much as anything else. There's some days where I'm like, yep, progress things continue. That's fine. And other days I'm like, no, I'm not aging. None of this is happening. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it's, there's definitely, there's always the hard aging thing. Cause I think that's just a truth of our, our, our perception of time changes as we age in an iPod can see, feel like that's new, right? No, it's not. It is deeply not. Um, but I think for me, there's a little bit of comfort in that. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Like, the hot new thing is not is not always going to be the hot new thing. It's going to maybe change directions. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just kind of like a a comfort that everything flashy and shiny will get old. I think for me, there's a um, I think that in our society, sometimes there can be an overemphasis on things having value because they're new, they're hip, they're now. And I think as I get older and go like that changes so fast that, you know, objects ideas art <laughs> has to have some sort of deeper value because if its main value is it's hip and now that is going to curdle very quickly yeah yeah because there is always something hip and now that's yep. newer yeah and ipods are now old and nostalgic i remember when <laughs> yeah remember when your thumb used to get sore from that dial <laughs> you can make your ipod shuffle work that's why i never had an ipod shuffle yeah, no, I was thinking about getting them and then they went away. So, uh, yeah, I was a little bit behind the time there. Uh, th we haven't we've been talking more about like kind of objects that we interact with on a sort of pedestrian day to day basis. Uh, but I want to ask you if you would ride a Humphrey man lift. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I know better. OK, so I first I'm going to say I'm going to let you describe what it is. But I um, it would be really fun if I were in a place where I knew it was safe. Yeah, that that's very cool. Yeah, so there's a thing I learned about when I worked at uh, Mill City Museum and wonderful museum uh, in uh, Minneapolis that is uh, at St. Anthony Falls, uh, the big waterfall in the uh, heart of Minneapolis, really the reason Minneapolis is uh, the, the city that it is. Uh, and this museum is built in the ruins of the Washburn Amel. And it's just fascinating because it's like this flour milling technology that was <laughs> hip and fresh at the time. It changed the world and made a lot of money. It was very, very important. But from our modern perspective is like 
this is like you know like a a, a, a mouse trap machine. It's just all the machines are hooked together, and the water hits a big turbine because it's fallen on it, and then the whole thing spins, and it the machines do all the things. And one of the things that moved is the way that the workers would get up and down uh, the eight floors is they there was just a big hole in every floor, and then like you were playing Donkey Kong, there were <laughs> paddles just kind of on a, a belt and they were always moving. So you would just stand by a big hole and you would try to step on these small circular uh, metal disc at the right time and hold on was and there, then step off when you get to where you're supposed to be. Was there one side for up and one side for down? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little rusty on some of my uh, Humphrey man lift history, but that is yeah my recollection. Yeah. And I say if it's safe because people died on oh, it. Oh, right? many. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think in my description, you could see how that might go wrong. Yeah. Or if you've ever played Donkey Kong or really any video game. <laughs> if you talk to anybody who's played a video game for long enough, somebody will go, I don't like the video games where it's really easy to fall off things. Humphrey Manlift is a real life video game where it's easy to fall off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So would you would you want to ride one? Only I, if it's safe? I, I mean, if it, if it were a slow one. Yes, a very slow Humphrey man lift. Yeah, where I was never more than like six feet off the ground. Yeah, I've always been entertained by it because it's got that uh, that very straightforward. Some things are hard to figure out. How did they name that? <laughs> and other things, <laughs> not so much. Yeah. Not so much. Uh, here's my final question for you here in our main topic. If you could have anything in your life operate by turning a big physical crank, uh, what would you want to crank? Ooh, well, am I the one responsible for turning the crank? Yes. Okay. Oh, well, um, gosh. Um, <laughs> this is a ridiculous answer because I don't actually currently drink coffee. I was a coffee grinder. It's <laughs> a bad answer. Gosh, Sarah, come on. I was going to say a car at first, but I don't want to <laughs> crank the car while I'm driving. And then I was going to say my alarm, like for an alarm clock in the morning, but that would not work because... I'm not going to wake up before my alarm to crank the crank for my alarm. <laughs> yeah, that you need yeah. two alarms. Get up in time to crank <laughs> your alarm. Yeah, no, no, none of this. Wow, what's your answer? I think there. I think the honest answer is it sounds funny and and fun, and the real answer is nothing because it's work and life is busy and stressful. But I think there would be some romance in it, actually, if we did have, like, uh, some big, interesting cabinet in case in our television. And when it was time at the end of the day to watch television, you had to crank open the uh, the uh, the door to get to the television. And I, in fact, had to crank to turn the television on. I would, get, I would get very upset every night, and I would swear. <laughs> yeah. But if it were a part of the uh, just the ritual of the day... Of the television stays off until it is truly time to relax, and then you go to work cranking, cranking the television doors. I like that. I was worried you were going to say cranking the television to make it work, and I'm just going to say no, no. But yeah, I like that. No, mm -hmm. I do wish it doesn't happen as much anymore. But every once in a while, when there's internet problems, I wish you could make. There we go, a modem. I wish you could crank oh. to uh, get your internet connection working because every once in a while we're so much better. Every once in a while, though, there's still that that weird dip. Uh, like our internet is pretty good, but every once in a while it has a like, ooh, we kind of dipped a, a little bit. And there are some streaming services that are like, great, we'll pixelate a little bit. And other streaming services are like, what happened? And it just breaks their mind. And if I could just go over to the modem and crank 
Yeah. <laughs> and then the streaming would keep streaming. <laughs> yeah, I'm there with you. I do have a few of those like crank flashlights. Ooh. And uh, I've discovered that I get tired of cranking those very quickly. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to be more realistic about sometimes I say things on the podcast as a fun joke. Yeah. And like, but no, I really wouldn't want to crank anything. But I like I like the crank modem because it gives you a way to deal with your frustration That's about true. it not working. That's true. And that is my frustration sometimes with tech where having, you know, still been alive in a little bit more of an analog age where you had, you could physically look for the problem and it might literally be a physical thing that is bent or obstructed that you could do something about in, you know, instead of call an underpaid employee to go, why isn't this working? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you'd like, want the option. So yeah, no, I'll, I'll crank a modem. There we go. I'm not going <laughs> to say the word crank anymore. I've said it enough. Can you make a noise to sum up your interest in oldie time tech or devices? <laughs> I mean, we said cranks. How many times just now? I had to do a crank. Fair enough. Fair enough. And on a scale of 1 to 10, how obsessed are you with 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest? Well, it has gone up during this podcast. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to put myself at a 7. Yeah, I think I'm going to put myself at a 9 because it is the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And it, the only thing stopping me from just buying random phones and piling up <laughs> in our home is the action figures are taking up all the space. I love them aesthetically. I love operating some things. I just love them as a as a physical history of our individual lives and our cultural lives in that reminder that uh, things change, times change, but amidst it all, what stays the same? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like a, that my typewriter and my current uh, very new uh, laptop are so different and yet they are, my relationship with them is so similar. You know, and that's powerful and interesting to me. So we're going to move on to the plugging section. Uh, where can people find you? Sarah underscore Scrimshaw on Twitter. Excellent. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. It's at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff like that, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. Final questions. Are you ready? I am. If there was an extra eighth day magically added to the week and you could do anything for a day, it was a free day, what would you do on eighth day? Ooh, wow. I want eighth day. I know. Um, I would read books and take walks. <laughs> uh, eighth day is great. Uh, at the same time ever? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> if a talking bear asked you for life advice, what would you say to the bear? Be kind. <laughs> It's something every bear needs to hear every once in a while. You know, those salmon that you're slapping have feelings too, right? <laughs> Final question as always is what is happiness? Happiness is um, sitting down with a TV that you've cranked open the front <laughs> screen of it. I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm feeling it that one today. (laughs) For me uh, this week, uh, that answer is my answer to happiness. The way you answered what is happiness (laughs) is my answer. Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. I I hope you all enjoyed uh, listening on your ancient iPods, if that's even possible. Uh, But thank you all so much for listening. That is our podcast. You've been listening. 
listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So in terms of oldie time tech, it's not really oldie time because vinyl is back and vinyl is very popular. And I think I saw a thing today where it was actually like outselling CDs vinyl. Uh, but we uh, put our record player in a more prominent place in our home so we could listen to vinyl a little bit more often. For me, it's great because it is a little bit more that tactile. You're really making a point of it. You put it on and then sometimes it's very short. And like 20 minutes later, you have to get up and flip it. Um, but one of the things that I personally love about vinyl and i have mostly old vinyl instead of fancy new vinyl is that that energy that crackle that scratch at the beginning that gives you an anticipation mm -hmm. so my question for you is would you like to add that crackle sound that's at the beginning of old vinyl to all music mm, no i feel like that scratchy sound has to be earned <laughs> I, I like your strong opinion on this. Yeah, it can. It, other things can earn it in their own way, but it has to be earned. Okay, earn your crackle. That's another thing <laughs> we're going to say to that bear. <laughs>